Well, it's time to get into our, uh, into our message now. Back on, I, I just, what a, a great, to be able to talk, what does it mean to be the kind of worshipers that Jesus wants? Let me, let me start with the story. A number of years ago, Mary and I were with some friends. We're out of state. We're visiting this city, and partway through this long day of looking around the city, we, we stopped into this uh, little Godiva chocolate shop. You need to pick me up ice cream or chocolate, right? I mean, it does the trick. So we go in, and we see these, like you see there, we see these amazingly, like, wow, these things. I feel like I sometimes gain weight just by smelling or looking at these things, right? So we decide, okay, we're going to buy, you know, we, you know we'll, we'll get one. And so Shannon was the first one to take a bite, and she takes a bite, and she regrets that she did. She, she grimaced, she spit it out, and she showed us the other part of the chocolate. See, the answer would have been just eat the whole thing in one fell swoop, but she took this dainty bite, and she held it up, and it was filled with mold. Yeah, rotten from the inside out. And uh, by the way, some of you work for good, someone here I'm sure works for Godiva Chocolate or you're engaging online. I just want you to know, I'm not, no offense, I know it's not a common thing and I'm glad to help. Uh, if, if you want me to test any more Godiva Chocolates just to make sure it's not a widespread problem, I would be happy to oblige. Just, just see me and we'll talk and I can, I can confirm that there, it's a rarity in Godiva Chocolates. Um, here's my point. Uh, it matters what's on the inside. Would you say that aloud with me? Ready? It matters what's on the inside, right? All of us, in a sense, are like, we're like this, this chocolate that on the outside, you know, I, I come here and I go, wow, what a good-looking group of people. We might even ask, how you doing? Fine, fine, how are you doing? We're all fine. And, but on the inside, we have some brokenness, Right? There's some things that are messed up and there's some mold in our lives and for all of us, it's just the way it is. And God, even if we don't see what's behind the curtains, God looks in and he sees every thought. He knows what's in our hearts. He knows, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13, it says this, nothing in all creation is hidden from his sight. God sees and knows everything. Would you turn to your neighbor and just tell him, say, he sees and knows everything. Would you tell him? That can be scary, right? You go, he sees and knows everything. Like, I, But here's what I love about the Lord. He, he sees and knows everything. He sees the darkness in my soul. But he's a God who loves to restore. He makes moldy things new. He fixes brokenness. He restores and he redeems. And that's his heart. But if we try to live without Jesus and try to fix the brokenness on our own, we, we just, we end up doing this fake it till you make it kind of thing or, you know, just trying to pretend because ultimately we fail at fixing the brokenness in our hearts. And unless we encounter Jesus and he begins a new work in us, the inside is still messed up. And what he said to people in the, his, one of his early messages, he would say to us. He speaks to this people who were very religious and he says, 
You know what? You honor me with your lips, but your hearts are what? Are far from me. And then he adds this little line. He goes, your worship is what? In vain. That's, that's like a, this indictment to say it's, it's empty. It's sort of pointless. It, it's, it's like a waste. Doesn't really make, it doesn't make a, a difference. So the question that we want to answer today is, how can you and I become the kind of worshipers who, who honor him? That he would say, you know what? You honor me with your lips and your hearts are close. How do we become that kind of people? We're gonna look into scripture today to see that. Let me just do a quick review. Week number one, we said this. We're all worshipers. Not a question of if, it's just a matter of what or who. Remember the two circles? We had two circles in my drawing up here, and we had the core, and we said something is at the core of your life. Whatever's at the core of your life is what you worship. It could be a hobby, your career, it could be a person, it could be whatever, your health, or it can be, it can be Jesus. And, and, and we all worship, though. The question is, who's at the core of our lives? Second week, last week, we looked at uh, that God is absolutely worthy of our worship. Just heard some amazing things about the greatness of, of the artistry and the reflection that is on the artist. He's more powerful and amazing and majestic than we could ever comprehend. Before we talk about today's topic, let's just define what worship is. Because you might be going, well, what is it actually like? Like, what does that mean? John Piper says it this way. He says, and you'll see this on just because it's sort of heavy. He says, the inner essence of worship is to know God truly and then respond from the heart to that knowledge by valuing God, treasuring God, prizing God, enjoying God. I love that one. Just that being satisfied with God above all earthly things. It's at the core of your life. And here's the impact of treasuring and worshiping the Lord like that. What happens as a result that there's a deep, restful, joyful satisfaction in God that overflows in demonstrable acts of praise from our lips and demonstrable acts of love in serving others for the sake of Christ. So that's the core of worship. When Jesus is treasured in your heart, your life above everything else, there's this overflow of praise and, and worship. So what kind of person he's looking for you and me to be? Let's turn to Psalm chapter 15. Psalm 15, you can turn either your paper Bible, you got a, your, your Bible app on the phone, and also there's some notes. If you didn't get some notes on the way in, or those of you engaging online, really glad to have you with us. Uh, you might not be aware, we're one church in a lot of different locations, three specifically here, Olmstead Falls, 6941 Columbia Road, um, where I preached last hour, and then Middleburg, and then Lorraine, and, and just grateful we get to be uh, one uh, church family. By the way, Lorraine, guys there, five baptisms today. Uh, fantastic cheering you on. And so what kind of worshipers are welcomed into God's presence? Psalm 15, he starts with two questions. Who may worship in your sanctuary, Lord? Who may enter your presence on your holy hill? 
Let's just pause there a second. He's talking about the tabernacle, later the temple, which would be the permanent structure. Tabernacle is movable, but, but, but that was the place that you would go to meet with God. So you'd offer your worship there, your sacrifice, your, your gift, whatever it would be, your thanks, and, and it was the centerpiece of Israel. In fact, it was built on a hill. You could see it from miles around, and and that was the place, if you wanted to meet with God in that day, it's no longer, this is not the temple, this is not the tabernacle, that would be your body if you've given your life to Jesus. But, but in that day, when you wanted to go meet with God, you'd go to the tabernacle or the temple. And, and so he asks, who can do that? Like, who, who, who can worship? He's talking about the entrance requirements and back in that day, they would have expected it to be some like other religions would have been like, well, you need to come with this, you know, like this ritual or holy water or something like that. But that's not the answer given here. Listen to what he says. He says, who may worship in your sanctuary, Lord? Those who lead blameless lives and do what is right. Okay, can we just be honest right off the bat? They were like, okay, wow, who, who, who can raise their hand and say, I've lived a blameless life. I've never messed up in my life. You go, already I'm feeling sort of discouraged here. Who speak the truth from sincere hearts, those who refuse to gossip or harm their neighbors or speak evil of their friends, those who despise flagrant sinners and honor the faithful followers of the Lord and keep their promises even when it hurts, those who lend money without charging interest and who cannot be bribed to lie about the innocent, such people, and here's his amazing promise. He goes, if you live like that, you're going to stand firm forever. That's the kind of worshipers that God is looking for. It's all about the heart, right? It's about our character, what's on the inside. Now, let me just, just state the obvious. It's a pretty overwhelming list. I mean, we read that and we go, okay, like who measures up? Like who can actually be welcomed into the presence of God? Like it's no, nobody, right? I want you to hold on to that because that's, that's the wonder of the gospel that when you read things in the Old Testament that sets the bar on, you're like, oh my goodness. It points you to Jesus and that Jesus becomes the answer to say, this is the good news that he came that we feel we fall so far short that Jesus comes and he's the answer to our brokenness. And it's going to happen again. But let's just start off and say, okay, so where is the bar set here? Here's what he says. You, you see it on your notes. I've listed them in the bullet points, or you can just go through the psalm. He says, what kind of person is welcome to worship God? Like, what kind of worshipers is he looking for? First of all, a person who lives with integrity. Like, they do the right thing consistently. They choose honesty, even when it's hard. Like, they, like they, 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 they're courageous in speaking the truth. People know they can trust what you. You don't fudge. You refuse to gossip. You have a no gossip rule? You know, you're like, I, I'm not gonna, I don't tear people down. Like this sign that I talked about, maybe you've heard me before, we have friends hanging in their house, the absent are safe here. Are people who are absent safe when they come up in a conversation that you're a part of? Go, wow, Lord, okay, I feel sense of no gossip. He's looking for worshipers who don't do that. People who confront injustice, encourage those who do right. It's not that you hate 
people who dishonor God, but you, you just, you're, you're like, your stomach turns at the mistreatment or injustice or things that are done wrong, and you go, that is just, that. I just gotta just, just because it's not to me, I gotta just, I hate that you're dishonored, and other people who keeps their word no matter what. In your relationships, maybe in business, can people go, oh my goodness, if she gave you her word, like, take it to the bank. He, whatever he says, like, you, 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 he's, he's gonna be good to his word. They live generously. You might, might be confusing with says they don't charge interest. It's not that the Bible's always against charging interest. It's the idea is likely here that you don't take advantage of someone who's experienced a crisis. You know, they're going through a medical thing and your aunt and uncle come to you and say, hey, would you be willing to loan us? And you're like, absolutely. It's gonna be 55% interest, just so you know, for the first month, you know. And, and, and he's going, don't, don't gouge people like that. Don't, don't take bribes for financial gain. You know, don't be corrupt. A couple politicians in our state maybe could read that one again or in our city, right? Jonathan, stick to your notes here, yeah. Um, but how about us? You see, God is completely holy and pure and perfect. And so any kind of dishonesty or gossip or injustice or when we bring that into his presence from our hearts, it's like bringing toxic chemicals into the kitchen, Right? Just go, you, 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 you can't do that. that that's, it's like unthinkable. Or it's like knowing that a chocolate on the inside is moldy and, and giving it to your friend who's come over and go, oh, you're, and you, you're not trying to do them wrong. You're just like, maybe they won't notice or whatever. And you go, no, I, I, I wouldn't do that to a friend. How can I bring a heart that's got its impurity into the presence of, of a holy God? You know, Jesus says the same thing. If you turn with me to Matthew chapter five, it's his first message. It's often called the Sermon on the Mount because he gives it on the hill overlooking the Lake Galilee. It's maybe 70 miles north of Jerusalem. And in this first sermon, Jesus echoes the teaching of Psalm 15. In fact, Psalm 15 is a list, and in Matthew 5, he gives a list we call the Beatitudes, and how, how do you be blessed by God, and he, and he sort of gives this, their character traits. They're, it's not things you do, it's, it's who you are, and one of those things in, in chapter 5, verse 8, here's what he says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will what? They'll see God. It's interesting, isn't it? He doesn't talk about like, blessed are those who have right doctrine. Like that's what the Pharisees thought, like we think right, we believe right. Jesus isn't impressed. He goes, I'm looking for purity of heart. He doesn't, not that he doesn't care about doctrine, but he's going, if you have right doctrine, remember 1 Corinthians 13, he says, you can pray the house down, but if you don't love, it's like a clanging symbol, right? It's an annoyance to God. Jesus says, do you want to see God? Do you want to be a person who's welcomed into his presence as a worshiper? He says, blessed are those who are pure in heart because they're going to see God. You see how it's an echo of what the psalmist said? Who, who can enter? It's those who are pure and blameless. And which just means if we take the corollary of that, for those who don't have pure hearts, and don't find a way to purity, there's a cost, right? Like, if we gossip, we, we can't enjoy God's friendship. 
at least the way that we would have. If we have gaps in our integrity, there's a distance between us and God. If we cheat people financially or we break promises, our, our worship is, is empty, right? If the pure in heart see God, that means that the, those who have impurity in their hearts, what? Well, at best, they have a clouded vision of God, right? We want to be those who, who see God, who are welcomed into his presence. And Jesus is going, I, I want your heart. All of your singing, your worship doesn't matter if you're living in a way that wounds me over and over. Suppose there's a guy who in public, church-going guy, everyone knows him as like a real friendly guy, but in the privacy of his home, he rages. Like there's an anger that seethes and and only his, his wife and his kids see it and, it, and it scares them to, like, it just, and, and his wife comes to him in a moment of, you know, and she just goes, honey, I, we can't live like this. Like, your anger is so explosive. Like, I, we don't feel safe. And I don't know what it means. You, you know, you got to talk to a counselor. You got to figure something out. Go to a group recovery and, and by the way, if you go, is this an illustration? You're talking about me. Uh, if it's something about you, then I would just tell you, there's, we have like, we're half a dozen counselors here. We've got groups to say, if that's you and you're making people feel unsafe, get help, right? So this guy, you know, listens to his wife. She goes to work the next day. And, and uh, she gets word, the receptionist says, hey, you got a delivery. And she goes out and there's, 12 dozen roses from her husband. And the little plastic thing he's sticking out has a little note on it. It says, dear beautiful, you are the woman of my dreams and I'm so lucky to be your husband. Yours forever. And he signs his name. Is that what she wants? Absolutely not. He could deliver a thousand dozen roses. And what would she tell him? I don't want your roses. What I want is what? I want your heart. I want to see change. I, I, I want you to be a man who makes us feel safe in our own home. Mary and I often say, your marriage, your home, for the people around you should be the safest place on earth for them. Let's make this personal about our own worship. If I come to worship and I sing all the songs and maybe I raise my hands and I close my eyes and, but then I go out to the restaurant and I'm less than kind to the server or there's a gap in my integrity or I leave a group and I just, I just start tearing the people down, I'm just the same as that guy, right? It's like giving Jesus when I worship a public display of roses offering him a chocolate that has mold on the inside, and he goes, what I want is your heart. If your worship is an expression of the purity in your heart, that's, that's great, but if your heart doesn't match what you're... You might say, you know, I confess that's me. You know, sometimes I look good on the outside where others see me, but on the inside... I know my heart isn't totally right. Can I just say, 
That's me. Right? There are times that I look at that list and I go, yeah, I can't check that one. Failed on that one. Right? So what do we do? What do we do if we go, God, I, I do have mold on the inside. I've got impurity. Well, I'm glad you asked. Because this is the wonder of the gospel, right? This is the good news that Jesus gives us that he goes, I, I have an answer. Who can enter into that most holy place? Who can? He can. And he wants to take you with him. So what do we do? I'm so grateful for the grace that Jesus always offers us a way back. So here's how. You'll see in your notes, and it's really just the teaching of the New Testament, that we start by going, I'm not going to play pretend anymore and just go, if the outside looks okay, fake it till I make it. I'm going to come humbly to Jesus instead. And just say, Jesus, I need you to forgive me and make my heart clean. You turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10. It's, it's right toward the end of your Bible. You come to Titus, Philemon, and then you come to Hebrews. And if you hit Peter, you've gone too far. I love this. It gives us so much hope. But way back into the presence of God and true worship. And here's what it says in Hebrews 10, verse 19, New Living Translation. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. How do we enter? Boldly, by the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. That was a place in the temple, the tabernacle. Everybody would hope that someday they could go into, but they knew at that point it was just one high priest. You know what he says? We have a great high priest who rules over God's house. Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts fully trusting him. You know what he's saying? He's going, you can go into the presence of God. How? Along with your high priest, who's Jesus. His holiness becomes your holiness. His purity becomes your purity. Did you know the Bible says that when you're in Christ, you are just as holy as Jesus? It's not because you're good enough, it's because he's good enough, right? And so you come to him and just say, Jesus, I need you to cleanse my heart and make me new. And when you do that, you can come into the presence of Jesus and go, yeah, that, some of those things are part of my past, but today, I'm, my heart is pure because of what he's done for me. What he did on the cross, he, he, he took all my sin away. My slate is clean. You come to him humbly. But there has to be more than that. Remember the guy? What if the guy goes to his wife? He goes, hey, you know what? I went to God and he forgave me and I feel so good. And she goes, that's awesome. I also what? I want to see change. I don't want you to have this cycle of just forgiveness, forgiveness over and over again. I want to see a change of heart, change of behaviors to repent. And so... You turn away from anything you know dishonors the Lord. If you turn over two chapters to Hebrews chapter 12, here's how the writer says it in Hebrews 12, verse 14. He says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy without holiness. Here, it's almost like what Jesus says, what? No one will see the Lord. Every effort. A while back, I was sitting over coffee with a guy who was telling me, he goes, hey, can I get together? I'm dealing with this habit in my life, it's a temptation, I just keep on giving in, and he's telling me, and I asked him, what are the trigger points? Tell me, how, you know, let's talk about it, and 
talked for a while and I, I just started to realize, I thought, I don't think this guy really wants to change. Like he doesn't want to change enough to really, and I said, hey, what, would, what do you think every effort would look like for you? Like every effort to live the kind of life that Jesus wants you to live. And he's gonna give you the power to do so. Is it, is it going to group? Is it meeting with somebody? Is it talk? What is it gonna, are you willing to make every effort? You see, just to be cleansed, that's great, that's a starting point. But if I'm cleansed without changing, Remember what Jesus said? He goes, if your right eye causes you to sin, what did he tell you to do? Gouge it up. Your right hand caused you to sin? Cut it off. If you're here for the, that's the first time you've ever heard that, don't try that at home. It's like metaphorical. We don't want people coming in like, what happened to you last week? 50 people lost their hand. You know, Jonathan said it. Jesus told us. What a saying is do whatever amputation, make every effort. If that place you go to, causes you, you say, I slip, I'm vulnerable there. You don't go there anymore. If your job, you, you, you find a new job. This person, that I've got to make changes. Every effort, because you're like, Jesus, I, I want to have a pure heart. That's what I want. So come humbly to Jesus, turn away from anything that you know dishonors him, and then keep short accounts. Uh, let's turn back one moment, found a passage to Matthew chapter 5, where we looked earlier. Jesus, in this Sermon on the Mount, goes on just a little bit later after purity of heart, and, and he goes on and he says this. He gives some advice for those who want to be worshipers. And he says in verse 23, if you're offering your gift at the altar, like you're worshiping, and there remember that your brother or sister is something against you, just keep on singing the song, wait till the end of the service, and then maybe in the coming month, try to... Leave your gift right there in front of the altar and first go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. This is unthinkable for the Pharisees. They would never interrupt their worship in order to, they'd be like, oh, sorry, don't, don't interrupt me. I'm worshiping. Jesus goes, no. No, interrupt your worship and, and be right. Singing your favorite songs and seeing friends in the lobby and putting money in the offering, reading your Bible, none of it makes up for a fractured relationship that you've not attempted to see restored. So is it an email? Maybe getting coffee together? Whatever it is to say, God, whatever it takes. Maybe have someone read it before you send it. You don't want to be like, Hey, you were such an idiot, but the way I responded wasn't really appropriate. Um, don't, 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 don't jab them while you ask for forgiveness. Just be humble. What I did was wrong. And here's what Jesus makes clear. Worship is empty noise if your relationship with God isn't right. And we could add to that, and if your relationship with his sons and daughters isn't right. Let me close with this. In his book, Just Like Jesus, Max Licato tells of an experience he had with his daughter, Jenna. He uh, talks about when she was a toddler and they were out at a park and this ice cream truck comes by and, and he decided, he goes, I, I decided to buy Jenna a treat uh, from this ice cream truck and when I turned to give it to her, I saw that her little toddler mouth was full of sand. Where I intended to put a delicacy, she had put dirt. Did I love her with dirt in her mouth? 
Absolutely. Was she any less my daughter with dirt in her mouth? Not at all. Was I going to allow her to keep the dirt in her mouth? No. I loved her right where she was, but I refused to leave her there. I carried her over to the water fountain, and I washed out her mouth with water. Why? Because I love her. Friends, God does the same for you and for me. He holds us over the fountain, and he's like, spit out the dirt. Our Heavenly Father just, I've got something so much better for you, and he cleanses us from dishonesty, from prejudice, from bitterness. We may not enjoy the cleansing. Sometimes we prefer to have the dirt in our mouth rather than the ice cream. Actually, no, I'd always rather have the ice cream in my mouth than the dirt. But you know what I'm saying. Sometimes we're like, God, I don't want to let go of this. But God is such a better offer. He welcomes us into his presence. He wants us to encounter him. And when we do, it's not only for our good, but we become the kind of worshipers whose gift is acceptable to him because it comes from a heart that's clean and pure. Who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Only those whose hands and hearts are pure. Such people, O oh God, may seek you and worship in your presence. Let's ask him to make us those kind of people. Would you pray with me? I'm going to lead us in a guided prayer. I wonder if for starts, you would just ask the Lord to forgive you. Maybe mention something specific that happened this week, maybe on the way to church today to say, God, man, what I let come out of my mouth, that thought I had, I was dishonest. I didn't give full effort when I should have. God, would you forgive me? Would you pray for, for that? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just. He'll forgive us all of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When the scripture says, make every effort to be holy, would you ask him for strength to do that? My sense is that you may have already in your heart said that's the step you need to take. Can you tell him right now, God, I'll do it. I love you enough, Lord, I'll do that. Every effort. I'm not going to hold back. Did you tell him that? And then if he's prompting you to make things right with someone, can you commit to writing the letter or getting coffee together? Just saying, God, I'll do, I'll do my part as far as it depends on me. I want to take a step in the right direction. Anything else you want to tell them? Lord, thank you for hearing our prayers. Thank you that you welcome sinful and broken people who come humbly to you. That's us, Lord. It's, it's actually me. Thank you for receiving us. Teach us to worship you with hearts that are right and pure and pleasing to you. In your name we pray, amen.